Welcome to Cybersecurity Insights, the podcast for the CyberEd.io learning community. Our goal is to bring cybersecurity practitioners the latest and most relevant education and training to upskill and dive deeper into topics that matter in today's modern cybersecurity world. Good day, everyone. This is Steve King. I'm the managing director at CyberEd.io and with us today on our podcast is Alistair Faulkner, who is the co-founder and CEO of a security and fraud prevention startup called Darwinium, and uh, was the co-founder and former chief product officer of Threat Metrics, later acquired by LexisNexis Risk Solutions for a whole bunch of money. Alistair is based in Sydney, Australia, and has more than a couple of decades of experience in the cybersecurity space, very much focusing on financial fraud analysis and prevention. Darwinium services large uh, B2C organizations and marketplaces, dedicated payments providers, e-commerce shops, banks, and fintechs in an era of really increasing fraud. And I want to emphasize that. I've never seen it like this before. So I've got a few questions. Why don't we just jump in, Alistair, if, uh, if that's okay with you? Yeah, great to meet you today, Steve. Okay. So there are a lot of cash transfer applications around like Venmo and Cash App and PayPal and Zelle and so forth. And they, they've become uh, active channels for frauders to scam thousands and hundreds of thousands of dollars. And the U.S. Fed is preparing to launch a thing called Fed Now this month, I think. And since it's so terribly unregulated space, doesn't it come with a lot of security risk? Uh, yeah, absolutely. The The experience that we've seen in other markets where faster payments has been introduced, such as the UK and Australia, for example, faster big payments became the go-to way that scams uh, defaulted to. So both in Australia and the UK, the largest forward form of total losses, so the majority of all losses were um, due to were on the faster payments rail, which is kind of staggering. Um, and there's multiple reasons for that. I mean, the most obvious being that the faster you can get money out of an institution, obviously, the less time they have to implement fraud checks that they might do uh, or might done previously. And then also the game has changed in terms of rather than is moving to synthetic identities and stolen credentials, which is obviously uh, part of part of their remit, part of their game plan. It's mostly become about how do you engineer the end user, how do you scam them effectively into do something, doing something against their will uh, or against their best, against their needs. So, for example, romance scams, uh, crypto scams, um, any number of the scams that are proliferating out there uh, in order to extract money from good customers. Yeah, I you know I've used some of these apps before. What um, can you describe? You know, a kind of a characterized as a conventional hack. I mean, how how would? Well, I mean, so, so I mean, tradition. When I say traditionally, what happens? You know, what we've been experiencing by and large till now has been fraudsters using some kind of stolen identity or perhaps getting access to the customer's account, either using. Uh, malware, you know, something that's running on their machine, maybe someone's called them up 
and said, hey, we're your, uh, you know, your telco service. We need to install something on your machine. Those types of scams or using um, the dark web to look for stolen uh, passwords and accounts for, for, for bank accounts. So illegitimate users using Ill- either illegitimate identities, synthetic or stolen, to create accounts, which they then use to, you know, send money to those accounts and then and mule and use those accounts as mules is one is one uh, attack vector. The other is taking over legitimate uh, users' accounts and then using that for fraud. So, but what happens with faster payments and as banks have implemented stronger two-factor authentication, essentially what scammers have, have figured out is that rather than trying to use these stolen identities, let's just go for the victims themselves. And so it's more about uh, social engineering attacks has been the biggest uh, issue, targeting uh, vulnerable pop- parts of the population. Interestingly enough, when it comes to these uh, scams, uh, particularly those that are put on faster payments rails, there tends to be a bell curve trending towards the uh, millennials or the digital natives, perhaps because they're younger, less experienced, maybe uh, more naive. And then on the other side of the bell curve, you tend to have retirees, or older folks who might be more susceptible to to, to scams. Yeah, it's, a, it's almost an oxymoron, right? I mean, digital native is more naive. You would think that the digital native would be tougher not to crack because they're would be privy to kind of what goes on. I mean, if you're not digitally literate in this day and age, uh, then, you know, you, you probably shouldn't be. <laughs> yeah, and I think, well, I think the challenge, yeah, it is, it is, it is interesting. I was kind of surprised, but it makes sense from the perspective that there are certain schemes that it can appeal to the younger population that might, you know, for example, crypto scams or, you know, um, get money rich. So they might be digitally native, but they're not financially or, uh, you know, scam native in, in the sense that, you know, they haven't grown up. Yeah, um, no, I mean, that, obviously that makes sense. Sure. The, uh, uh, you know, I am thinking back, you know, if, uh, I'm not, I think that Zelle is a, if you log in through, what I'm trying to say is if you log in through your B of A account or your Wells Fargo or what have you account and you go to your Zelle app, that actually presents itself then as a separate app out, uh, and you actually leave the Wells or B of A site. Is that not the case? I think. Don't you, aren't you, aren't you then interacting directly with Zelle? The underlying, like the challenge that you'll have or any of these applications have and the challenge that FedNow will have is that while it's providing the payments rails, a lot of the actual authentication intelligence will still be up to the banks. And there are, you know, on the, on the FedNow's website saying in 2024, you know, some additional security controls Will be put in place, um, but they're actually they're they're actually going to be limited by the fact by the amount of intelligence that you're able to share between FedNow and the banks and the underlying uh, consumer. So it, it, it's it's a big challenge when let's say for example PayPal, right? PayPal has an application sending money. It's been doing it for a long long time. You know has you know like any payment systems has had. Uh, challenges with fraud but the advantage that something like paypal has is that they control the entire user experience from onboarding within the application um, you know any of the identity uh, intelligence fraud controls can be tightly coupled to um, the payment anytime when you have a bifurcation between you know 
who does the verification authentication of the consumer and the authorization and if that's separate from the actual payments that are, are actually being uh, monitored it can be a real challenge and we've seen that just within the credit card uh, you know system where you know having having even the channels between merchants and issuers to resolve a fraud has been you know an ongoing an ongoing challenge it has been getting better but we've had the credit card you know online e-commerce payments for over a couple of decades and you know we still see that fraud is a major challenge and this is only just going to uh, be exacerbated with with a fed now um, faster payment system nothing to say anything particular about fed now um, it's just essentially another system that uh, fraudsters will quickly figure out where the gaps in the chain of armor, if you like, between the bank and the Fed now and the consumer breakdown. Yeah, and that's kind of where I was going with that. I thought, you know, PayPal is a great example, as you said, of of a self-contained. I mean, once you're, you know, there there's no bifurcation there at all. Uh, my experience with Zelle and Wells has has you know pretty much presented that and. I've often thought, well, gosh, you know, yeah, it's a fun. I suddenly felt not quite as secure once I was in the Zell app, but nonetheless, mm-hmm. Fed now, some folks think that's kind of a camouflage, uh, institutionalized step toward a central bank, you know, digital c- currency. What you're right in the heart of this stuff. Where, where do folks come down on whether authorities can be trusted to, you know, strike the right balance between? protecting privacy and and fighting illicit activity. Yeah, look it's a it's a delicate balance ultimately, you know, that it's the consumer in theory can vote with their wallet. Now we know that, you know, switching banks and those sorts of things can be, you know, can be challenging for for many, but if they don't get the balance right then, you know, they they can't really be competitive. Now, it's today, you know, many of these banks are regulated to make sure that they are doing, you know, following the right procedures when it comes to things like um, anti-money laundering, know your customer, etc. So, you know, Fed now doesn't introduce or take any of that away, but it's really about understanding what are the loopholes that something like faster payments, and it really comes down to the implementation, you know, what are the loopholes that can be exploited and at a scale that they haven't been able to previously based on you know, the, the current infrastructure. And so FedNow is just a challenge, even just from a bank bank's perspective of integrating kind of another another um, another payments rail. So, that, you know, they've got checks, they've got, uh, you know, credit card transactions, you know, your, your typical ACH and Zelle, and now you've got just another, another piece. And even when uh, FedNow introduces some more security controls, it'll still be up to the banks to take a holistic view of that payments and risk. And I'll give you an example. So, you know, one of the things that FI should be looking for is the breaks between the visibility gap there. So for example, a fraudster might uh, be getting illicit funds from somewhere and getting convincing someone to do a deposit, you know, via a check into an account before using um, the faster payments rail to quickly disperse that uh, for ill-gotten gains. In terms of the, in that sense, the Fed now won't have any idea natively that, you know, there's been some unusual deposit behavior for this account. Perhaps, you know, they're a senior or, or what, it, or I don't know, maybe they're a millennial, they've got a large 
uh, deposit amount has come in that's been you know unusual for this both this account and perhaps this account uh, profile and some then some unusual you know disbursement to perhaps accounts that haven't been seen before or haven't been you know transacted with by this user before and so those that those types of holistic view of this account holder needs to be taken into place and and fed now in and of itself isn't going to be able to combat that 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 kind of scam alone so the banks my understanding is that FedNow will be part of or operated by the Federal Reserve, and then each bank will be like a participating member. Or and then so if I'm at you know Citibank for example, and I've got you know twenty thousand dollars in the bank, and that gets converted to digital currency, if I want to spend five thousand of that, who has the yeah, you know, who who has the determination over whether what I'm spending that five thousand dollars on is is okay or not? That is an excellent excellent question, and the answer unfortunately is complicated in the sense that even you know so one of the advantages of Fed now, or if you have a system where it can analyze transactions in aggregate, means that you know you do get some insight into anomalous transaction patterns that each individual bank would not be able to detect, right? It stands it stands to reason. But the challenge is that the banks have intelligence that FedNow have and vice versa, FedNow has intelligence that um, the banks don't have. So for example, a receiving bank might know through its own fraud detection, perhaps it's monitoring a meal network or, or something like that. And it might know within its own fraud detection systems that let's say, 20 unrelated accounts are all operated by the same computer, the same device, right? So it might it might have some of this insight in its in its banking and fraud detection systems. Now, someone who's sending that money and FedNow has has no idea because let's say that the FedNow has no idea this device or you know these accounts are related. You know, it's only seeing the transaction data doesn't have the benefit the bank has knowing that you know a single device obviously a fraudster that they're monitoring. Uh, is control of these accounts. Now, the recent, someone who's sending this account doesn't have that intelligence. Now, if you had if you had broader intelligence sharing, and there are ways that you can, you know, share intelligence anonymously. Um, obviously, that's how a lot of the these systems uh, need to be built in modern day era. N- none of the parties have the whole kind of picture of the elephant, if you like. So it is very very problematic and challenging for banks, and that's one of the reasons why in the UK and Australia why scams have just you know, effectively being unstoppable, essentially. Huh. And from my point of view, as far as the Federal Reserve is concerned, it that's not regulated. There's no oversight. Is, isn't that true? Well, it's um, whether whether it is or it isn't. I think there will be there's plenty of healthy discourse that needs to be had about where liability lies. You know, in in a credit card transaction. You know, the, the schemes have figured that out. If it's an online transaction, a merchant is liable. Let's say if someone's using a stolen credit card. If it's an in-store transaction, the bank the, the bank is liable. Now, what's happened in the UK is just because scams have just gotten so out of control, enabled by the fast faster payments uh, rails, not caused by, but an, an, enabled by, you know, the faster, the faster payments uh, rails, that it's it's become a hard problem a hard problem for for banks to 
to address in of themselves. And it's hard for them to get the necessary capital and internal momentum without, uh, it's proven to date in these in, in these environments without some regular regulatory oversight. And so that's so what they're moving to there is when you're sending money, the receiving bank is as equally liable as the sending bank when it comes to recovering stolen money or scammed, scammed money. So in the US, which tends to be very biased towards anti, anti-regulation, um, it behooves banks to get in early to ensure that the public has confidence that there are appropriate protections and controls in place holistically. You know, regulate their customers. So you would think, hey, you know, if you're a customer of Bank of America, surely Bank of America, um, you know, I'm receiving money from a customer from Bank of America. Bank of America, you know, should uh, have fraud protection controls in place. Therefore, you know, I should be able to, um, should be able to trust this transaction. The challenge is with these scams is that you're dealing with individual consumers. And, you know, often these consumers themselves are so embroiled in these scams, you know, which can be um, very convincing. And with the advent of AI, are going to get even more convincing. Um, it becomes even more of a challenge because normally if you're investigating, let's say, unusual activity, you know, you might call that person to verify that, that consumer, hey, you know, we see you want to send money to a crypto scam account, you're 67, you know, you've, uh, you know, you're in retirement, you know, the average amount of money you spend in a month is 3000 you know, $3,000. Um, why, why are you sending it to this crypto exchange, you know, that we've had some challenges with in the past? Um, you know, when you call a consumer who's in broad in a scam, they will, you know, absolutely try and convince you why this is a, you know, a legitimate request, uh, why, you know, this needs to be done and, you know, following whatever playbook or script that scammers have been given. And so it's, it's a real pernicious problem. And, you know, so, and, Companies like PayPal have it hard enough, but when when you bifurcate the authorization, authentication, and fraud intelligence from the actual payments ra- rails, that's when you that's when you can introduce you know vulnerabilities that scammers and fraudsters are quickly able to um, exploit. Yeah, it's all very interesting. You know, it's um, it feels the more you talk, the further away from you know centralized digital you know, whatever you want to call a banking system that we, it seems that we're, we are and and the public trust, boy, that's a really hard nut to crack, especially under the circumstances. You know, we saw in the COVID relief program where we gave, a, I think, over a half a trillion dollars away based on, you know, little or no verification on the PPP program. Uh, and then, you know, the, the COVID disaster relief program. And then, you know, how, how I mean, the prevention issues there are not going to go away with you when you have a digital program. But I guess my question is the point that you raised. How do folks have any confidence at all that they're going to be able to sort of do whatever they want with their own money? That point you made about looking into a transaction and because it's out of you know it's out of uh it's anomalistic behavior right it's you it's not, you haven't done that before and so now somebody wants to know why you did that and you're trying to explain to them and they don't like that answer uh it's a slippery slope is it not toward uh you know the ultimate uh sort of uh, use china as an example the whole social credit rating determinations that 
come out of uh, the way you spend your money. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I'm less on that side of this conspiracy theory side. I mean, I think it's, you know, all good technology. And look, the U.S., it's in, should be embarrassed that it doesn't not have the facility for you to send money instantly, you know, and it should be embarrassed that they hold consumers deposits, you know, and basically make money off the time it takes for you to, you know, clear, clear a check, you know, they should be embarrassed as, you know, one the, the world, one of the world's leading powers. Don't disagree um, with that at all. No, you're from, right. From a technology perspective. And so it, you know, the conversation should be, shouldn't be, you know, how do we, I mean, it's very, it's similar to the AI one, you know, which is, you know, there is a good piece of technology. We just have, we make, you know, and it's hard, to, you can't put technology back in a box. Um, once it's out there, you know, it'll either be used by uh, adversaries against you, you know, so you need, or, or you know, you can uh, put the right rail, you know, rails in place, pardon the pun, to make sure that consumers can benefit from it uh, profitably and not criminals. And I think it's that last point which people have question marks about is, you know, um, when the Fed now says, hey, you know, we're going to release broad, you know, additional security measures in 2024, uh, I mean, the reality is that, you cannot, you cannot, one can't exist without the other, unless you have trust, safety and consumer confidence, you know, that cannot, that cannot exist separate from the underlying, the underlying scheme, it has to be thought through, it has to um, be very clear about where the liabilities exist. And we already know the battles that are already going to come and the conversations that, you know, are going to come, and that's going to be around regulating, you know, where um, liability for scams sits you know who who who's responsible that's the other part of the conversation you know it I, I got scammed um you know it seemed legitimate to me I used the bank you know the banking app as I was told to you know I paid them via this method you know that I thought was provided you know and you know provided to me by my bank and um but you know now I've now I've basically been scammed out of my entire life savings and right. you know the, for most it's the recourse is there's no there's no guaranteed protections for the consumer um, and that's that that will be one of the one of the battles that will be fought out unless um, banks get ahead of the curve and start you know implementing and looking at other markets and so other controls compensating controls that have been put in place in other and other faster payment schemes are, are things like um, being able to uh, based on discretion and based on a risk management process, um, be able to slow down a payment to provide additional uh, checks and controls and, and, and balances. So, you know, if, if everything just gets treated equally, then, uh, you know, you're not going to really have much, much hope uh, to be able to combat some of these scans. Uh, FedNow does say that they're introducing, um, you know, controls or blocks so that you can um, potentially selectively block based on some anomalies. Um, it'll be interesting to know further details about how that will work, what kind of intelligence, uh, you know, these anomalies are, um, are based on, um, you know, how much of it is to be done by the bank prior to putting something, you know, allowing, uh, allowing someone to do faster payments. So for example, you know, do they graduate uh, consumers? from one payment system to, to another uh, based on their level of risk. 
Um, there, are, there are multiple things that, you know, banks can be doing. You know, one is obviously a lot of it they should be doing already, but it's tied to screening around onboarding of accounts. Um, but we do know that synthetic identities, the plethora of stolen identities uh, you mentioned, uh, you know, the COVID, uh, the, the COVID loans, um, you know, perfect, perfect example of that where, you know, scammers were able to set up, you know, multiple accounts, get them or, you know, businesses, fake businesses, et cetera, to get themselves paid. You know, fraudsters do that uh, day in, day out. But really what it means when you move towards fast payments and the fact that the consumer now becomes the weakest link, it's not necessarily the payments rouse itself. It's the consumer that becomes the weakest link. You move towards things like education. Um, but when it comes to education, what we do know is not effective is just a default beware of scammers. Any default message that you plast, plaster to your customer base, one will be interpreted by scammers and then their scripts will update their, 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 their scam methods to you know, warn customers, hey, they're going to ask you this, don't worry, ignore it. So you need to be able to do things like tailored messaging based on the demographics of that customer, you know, their their deposit behavior, and in addition to their their, their transaction payments behavior, um, in in totality, uh, to be able to to be able to have a a chance. The other the other thing that it does do though, and a positive, is that it reinforces the fact that the 90, 90, I have a saying ninety eight percent of fraud prevention is good customer recognition, and that means you know, understanding things like what computers do they transact with, you know, what devices, um, you know, what what are their behaviours? How do they normally navigate through a site? Is there evidence that someone might be coaxed? So some of the things that you can do, as for, for example, is, you know, partnering with um, telco networks to, to know, hey, is this customer on a call? Or you can actually, within your mobile app, and many um, mobile devices will actually tell you that information. Hey, someone who's doing this banking transaction, you know, to a new um, beneficiary with a large amount amount, uh, you know, with a sum of money that is out of um, balance, not only with their payment behavior, but also their deposit behavior. Um, you know, this is a reason why we should slow down this transaction, introduce more friction, or, you know, perhaps, you know, uh, change it, uh, change the channel, i.e., hey, come into a, a branch uh, to complete the complete this uh, transaction. All yeah, these, no, uh, uh, you probably, though, no matter what we do, it's, you know, folks hate giving up convenience for security. So it, or that's always going to be a, a bit of an uphill struggle. It will be. And, you know, um, there are obviously... Um, trade-offs you know that for example customers with we know with you know credit card transactions you know with uh you travel anytime you travel you have to tell your bank you know call them up you know may I have you know you already have some of these controls and challenges you talk you know uh, how galling was it whenever you had to travel you had to ring your bank to tell them you know may I travel to another country and please have access to my money please <laughs> you know? um, yeah yeah and that that, that took a while to uh for folks to get over right and now we are, you know now it's kind of customers don't even give a thought to it that you know they're doing a transaction while they're on the train and then you know app is collecting your location data it's oh yeah you know this is the commute between x and y you know look, looks looks legit, you know, let's let's make that transaction go through seamlessly. So things like location data and others is an example where convenience, you know, often does, um, you know, win the battle. And so it does also put emphasis on the fact that 
fundamentally what has happened in the fraud game is it's moved from authenticating a device and authenticating an identity to quote unquote authenticating intent. You know, it's about moving the um, game or your fraud prevention strategies to a whole new level, right? And intent means, you know, this might be this, you know, a valid consumer, this might be their money, but, you know, and, and by the way, there will be no happier customer than somebody, you know, who you've stopped, you know, their lives being ruined from it going to, you know, a, a scammer, you know, and with, let's say the money being facilitated by, you know, the Fed now, it's, you know, it's gone, you know, almost instantly, you know, and, and potentially impossible to recover, you know, they're definitely going to be, you know, you definitely want to be on the right side of, of, of that human tragedy. Um, because there, you know, it is a human tragedy. You know, there have been folks that have, you know, killed themselves um, based on, you know, being scammed, you know, some of these crypto scams. And they're, they're, they're uh, you know, it's really awful the um, amount of tragedy that these uh, scams can can do because it's not like, you know, a credit card transaction, okay, you know, you have to fight with the bank, you know, maybe it's tens of thousands or however big your, you know, your credit limit, uh, you know, is on that card, you know, if you're able to move tens, hundred, you know, thousand dollars at a time, the impact can be devastating. So it's going to not just create a large, a larger pool of, of scam victims, it's going to, the damage, uh, the damage to that consumer is going to be um, even more devastating than what we've seen in, in other, in other uh, financial tools. Yeah, indeed. And, uh, you know, yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, yeah, folks will certainly get used to uh, increased uh, uh, difficulty, if you will, in in arranging to, uh, to get take get their own money, get their hands on their own money. But uh, it so it, so it is a long game that you're involved with here. Um, that's well, not going to happen. Yeah, and certainly the Fed now, you know, the way you know being rolled out, you know, bank by bank things, it will be it will be a long game. And I guess they're counting on the fact that more security protections and features and things like that introduced and you know there is there is power in in shared intelligence for sure um but it definitely will not be the complete picture um and so you, you know it's that it's it's that cooperation between that that triumvirate between the bank the consumer and you know the intelligence the fed now has being able to orchestrate those various different levels of uh, intelligence and being able to respond in real time dynamically without the consumer even necessarily, you know, you know, being impacted, you know, that's where the game's going. So essentially what it's saying for, for banks is that they have to really upgrade their level of visibility of that customer. And the big challenge that you have now with these um, fraud detection systems is that they're all point in time uh, looking for a specific set of criteria, you know, so FedNow might have some of its, some intelligence and, um, you know, based on its aggregated, you know, view of view of accounts and transactions through its network, but it doesn't have intelligence of, you know, uh, any other payments an account has done or any deposits that account has done. Then you have your transaction monitoring system, which is looking primarily uh, at outbound payments you know, there aren't that many banks who are too concerned about people putting money into the bank, but they're very concerned about money that leaves the bank. But that's going to change and has to change. The banks actually need to have a full view of deposit behavior in addition to the transactional behavior. That's uh, irrespective of Fed now. It just makes good sense, uh, good business practice. 
And the reason why they need to do that is to get out of the head of the curve to provide better intelligence sharing um, within FIs themselves outside of FedNow, which gives them uh, you know better controls and better agility to be able to say, you know what, this looks fine. You know, we know this customer, we've seen them before, you know, the behavioral patterns, their location, et cetera, suggests that this is something that should go through. And that should be the case for the vast majority of, of the of, of the transactions. But where you do need to interdict, where you do need to slow down that transaction, maybe send them into a branch network, perhaps, you know, uh, ask them, challenge them with some, you know, um, hey, here's what your scammer might say to you next. Those types of in situ having an awareness of what scans being exploit against this customer and then what is the language and the words that you know are going to most effectively um, uh, counteract that illusion or delusion that that consumer uh, might be might be under you know all of this says that you need to revamp your visibility to be able to take into not only fed announced intelligence your transaction monitoring uh, accounts but also you know what's what's the account usage you know to some is this a dormant account is someone normally uh, accessing this account or are we seeing for example someone from another country looking at this account the same device or looking at multiple different accounts which are uh, accessing multiple different accounts which might suggest this is a new mule account and someone's just checking to see whether the money you know has finally hit the bank and then you know so that they can uh, immediately send the money out so it's a game of intelligence and as we move towards ai where it where digital interactions synthetic digital interactions will be almost imperceptible to a human being, you know, a different, the difference, you know, from a real human being to someone who's had a synthetic voice or even video. Um, and certainly, you know, the dawn of the days where we see that, um, you know, the fish, phishing message, which is incorrectly spelled with bad grammar, you know, it will be perfectly pitched, you know, to the AI. I want you to target a mid-America, you know, uh, create an outbound, you know, email that will, um, you know, a password reset email that will appeal to a middle America, uh, you know, uh, in terms of language and grammar and, you know, target at this at senior citizens and then use this, you know, set of uh, Instagram accounts of, of scraped, for example, or maybe Instagram is a bad example, Facebook account um, that they've scraped that they used to share, you know, their, their kids' photos and such. Um, so the combination of faster payments and AI means that, you know, we need to be able to make split second decisions at every interaction to secure that train of trust from the consumer to the bank, to the, to the payment system or facilitator. And is it fair to say then that that's kind of what Darwinium does or can you, can you describe just in a, in a few words, what what you guys do and how that makes people like me feel more confident? Yeah, so what Darwinian does is join together the disconnected silo security, account security and fraud prevention and, and AML silos to give you a complete picture of that customer, their behavior, and, you know, and enables you to make real-time interdictions based at, on every interaction. So not just looking at your transactional intelligence, which gives you some uh, information, i.e. the payments, the money flow, but, you know, what devices, how did they behave? You know, how did they navigate through the application? Did they go straight to the beneficiary, you know, to add a new beneficiary, for example? Or, you know, does this account, all it does is log in and look at the, um, you know, account, account balance 
And then, you know, every, and then every so while, as soon as we see a deposit, then there's an immediate payment. You know, all of these are, are views of a customer that you can't get from one singular control. And so Darwin makes it super easy. You know, you install this once and we can shape every interaction. So what's different about Darwinium is that we actually implement on the digital perimeter. What that means is that we're not having to tangle with some of the med messy legacy infrastructure and all the challenges that that has for, for banks to, to upgrade. We think of us as a layer that transparently goes across all of your existing systems uh, effectively with a, with a press of a button. Wow. Well, I, you know, back to the long game, we'll, we'll be at this a while. And I, I, uh, uh, you know, have found this conversation and, Really interesting, Alistair, and I, I'm glad you got a chance to tell us kind of how Darwinium uh, works. Um, I, I will look forward, if you're willing, to have you back in about six months to to have another uh, 45 minutes or so to, to talk about what's what's changed and kind of where we are in that space because um, yeah. It's highly active, and and there are a lot of people that have to make a lot of decisions here uh, at at various levels. And before I let you go, uh, I have one last question. From your point of view, as you look out on your audience, your global audience, which country has the most um, advanced banking systems in your estimation? I would have to say, I mean... It really depends on the use case and and you know where that where the bank. I mean, the UK actually does have um, very strong controls. You know, they're um, one of the first kind of Western countries to move to uh, faster faster payments. Uh, you know, they have uh, and it's come from the advantage they have is you know more concentrated market and you know stronger regulation in the sense that they can you know edict certain behaviours and so things like strong authentication were mandated you know, open banking, uh, which enables, facilitates competition. You know, so a lot of uh, the UK really um, is where a lot of, also where a lot of fraud prevention technologies uh, often start as well, just because of their willingness to, uh, what they've learned is uh, investing in stronger authentication and then also better intelligence. So I'd say, I'd, I'd definitely say the UK is one of the leading, but still, and this is and this is what scares me about faster payments with the US, which is overdue, is that you know the UK had the benefit of mandating strong authentication on on all payments. And so good news is that you know that's a better security posture to have your consumers under. The bad news was that because of the authentication schemes being so strong, that kind of pushed fraudsters towards scamming the individuals themselves. So. Um, yeah, there's going to be some bumpy roads ahead. And, yeah, um, indeed, indeed, that's right. <laughs> and that, and yeah, and that's a that's a key point, and we'll we'll have to see how that evolves. But uh, but listen, I I really appreciate you taking the time today um, <clears throat> to spend with me and us and our audience and all of that. I'm sure they enjoyed it as much as I did. And uh, again, um, bring you back in six months if you're willing and. We can talk some more about kind of what happened between and where we're where we're going at that point. Great, thank you. Appreciate it, Steve. Well, thank you, Alistair. And uh, once again, this is uh, <clears throat> Alistair Faulkner, the uh, 
co-founder and CEO of Darwinium, um, a company that is going to make a huge dent in the fraud prevention universe uh, as we head into the next generation of digital banking. I hope you guys enjoyed it. And uh, until next time, this is Steve King, your host, signing off. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Cybersecurity Insights. You can connect with us on LinkedIn or Facebook or send us an email at social at cybered.io. For more information about the podcast, visit cybered.io forward slash podcast. Until next week, stay safe and secure, and we'll see you on the next episode of Cybersecurity Insights.